Last week, I was talking all about the benefits of feeding a raw diet to your dog or cat. Well, today, I've got the other side of the story. So I'm going to be talking all about the risks of raw feeding, as well as then moving on to the risks and benefits in feeding a kibble or a commercial cook diet that I haven't already covered in the previous episode and this episode. So before we get going though, I'm Dr Alex and I'm the vet behind rpetshealth.com and this is the Our Pets Health podcast where my aim is to help you and your pet to live a healthier, happier life through providing you evidence-based information about how to look after your pet, um, how to treat them should they become unwell, what to do if um, you're faced with a decision about how to investigate a certain problem, that kind of thing. So if you're interested in topics like that then make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on future episodes they're released once a week um, and also if you do enjoy these episodes I'd appreciate it so much if you could take the time to head over to iTunes or Stitcher um, and leave the podcast a review it helps more than you can imagine with other people finding this podcast and in that line of thought also if you find um, today's topic interesting then I'd appreciate it as well if you could share that with your friends and family you know it's a really important topic um, diet plays a crucial role in health and raw feeding has um, you know gained a lot of popularity for right reasons in some cases and for very wrong reasons in other and I think a lot of the time people aren't getting the full picture or finding it very difficult to find out what the evidence is and also just a reminder that this podcast is actually available as an ebook as a free downloadable ebook um, and I'll put the link in the show notes for that you know I go through a lot of information uh, and sometimes it's nice just to be able to sit down um, and kind of revisit that in written form so um, yeah again just check out the show notes for a link to that ebook so that, now that's out of the way, without further ado, let's get on with the episode. Okay, so what are the potential risks with raw diets? Do the benefits outweigh the risks of raw diets? So we've gone through the benefits, or at least the potential benefits of feeding a raw diet to your dog or cat. Are you convinced and ready to make the switch? Or are you happy with your pet's current diet? Well, it's vital that you know about the potential risks of feeding raw food before drawing any kind of conclusion and this includes risks to ourselves as well as our pet dogs and our pet cats. So raw diet deficiencies are something that I've already touched on so this one is primarily for all of you feeding or thinking about feeding home prepared diets in particular and actually covers any form of home prepared diet not just raw diets. So making sure that you're providing the minimum requirements for every nutrient without then overdoing things in other nutrients is a real challenge. So there are repeated reports of dogs and cats developing either deficiencies or excesses that then result in serious diseases being seen. Admittedly, a lot of these reports are through the feeding of ridiculous diets. You know, surely anyone would appreciate the fact that feeding puppies a diet that consisted of 80% rice and 20% raw meat, and that is a real example, um, is not going to end well. Time and again though, I've personally seen new puppies being fed the most ludicrous of diets on the strict instructions from their breeder that then go unquestioned by their new owner. You know, feeding nothing but porridge or the breakfast cereal wheat bix is not all that uncommon and unsurprisingly fails to meet the requirements for a growing puppy. Now, a common counter by those who do feed home prepared diets is that feeding a variety of different recipes will get around this potential risk. Now, it's certainly true that this will help and I absolute, absolutely don't believe that every single mouthful in a dog or cat's diet and every single mouthful they eat needs to be completely balanced. In some studies though, even when this diet rotation and variability is considered, the 
overall result was that an individual pet still did not receive all of their minimum dietary requirements. Now, it might seem that they're healthy, but underlying deficiencies, they may well lead to um, detrimental effects to long-term health and cause problems that may not even appear to be linked to the diet that they're eating in the first place. So the next risk of feeding raw diets is infection risk. Now, it should be no surprise that raw meat contains bacteria that are killed on cooking. In fact, raw diets, both home prepared and commercial, are often contaminated with salmonella, with E. coli, with Campylobacter, and Listeria, as well as Toxoplasma, Neospora, and Cryptosporidium. It may well be that a healthy adult dog or cat will never become unwell from eating food contaminated with these organisms. There will, however, be the potential for spreading them in their environment, and the young, the old, or unwell, however, will also be at a greater risk of developing serious infections that have the potential to be life-threatening. But how often are these bugs found in raw food? Well, numbers clearly do vary, but um, we'll start with salmonella, and it's been found on 80% of raw chicken diets tested, and is also frequently present in diets containing other ingredients. And this is compared to 0% of commercial dry foods. Now, E. coli has been found in between 50 and 100% of commercial raw diets. Again, and that compares to 33% of commercial dry diets and 8% of commercial wet diets. So it is potentially present in commercial food, but at a much reduced frequency. Even worse though, in one paper, one in four of these diets contaminated with E. coli um, actually contained an E. coli that caused kidney failure in people, and four in five contained antibiotic-resistant bacteria. So I'll say that again, antibiotic-resistant bacteria. Make no mistake, these bugs can result in disease in dogs and cats and have been known to kill. In one outbreak alone, which was caused by the feeding of meat unfit for human consumption, 27 puppies from eight litters were affected, with 10 puppies dying. Cats are not immune, with fatal salmonella infections also being reported. Now this might not be common, but it should not be ignored, especially when it comes to infection risk in people. Even healthy pets who suffer no outward signs of disease have the potential to shed these bacteria into their, in their feces and contaminate the diet. More on this later. So bones causing problems is the next thing. So let's move on to the feeding of bones. Now I've already discussed the impact bones can have on oral health and dental disease. Bones can result in cleaner teeth, but can also cause some pretty nasty and pretty painful broken teeth. Now the risk of this does depend on the type of bone being fed, with the large weight bearing bones of animals like cattle and sheep being the worst offenders. But the other big and potentially more serious risk of bone feeding is that the bone gets stuck somewhere within the intestinal tract, blocking the way and ultimately punching holes right through the intestinal wall, which, you know, is bad news. You won't need me to tell you that. Any animal with an intestinal obstruction needs it to be cleared as a matter of urgency, something that typically requires emergency surgery. And even when it's caught nice and early, whenever the intestines have to be cut into, the risk of serious complications is around one in 10 cases. So if the sharp, um, if the bone fragment's sharp or the blockage has been present for some time, then there is a real risk of the intestines kind of being punctured and the dog or cat developing something called septic peritonitis. And this is a condition that has a fatality rate of around 50%. So about half of animals that develop septic peritonitis are likely to die. And it's not just cooked bones that have this risk. And even something like chicken neck chicken necks have the same risk, especially if they're given to a larger dog who then decides to swallow one whole. So many dogs may be absolutely fine if fed on bones. They may get them every day for their whole life and never have problems, but the risk is there. I've seen the problem time and again. 
So those are some risks to our pets, but there's also risks to the owner for raw feeding. And in honesty, this is often the biggest reason that a lot of vets don't recommend feeding dogs raw food. There is a risk of all the bugs that we've just spoken about a few minutes ago being transferred to the people in that pet's environment. So that includes salmonella, it includes the strain of E. coli that has the potential to cause kidney failure. And of course, we can't forget about the bacterial resistant, um, the antibiotic resistant bacteria that can be present as well. So there are a number of risk points that we need to consider and areas and times when risks are there. So diet preparation, the feeding area, sort of chew toys and licking and poop management. So the first risk of raw feeding is simply the act of preparing any raw diet be that simply putting a commercial diet in a bowl through to preparing a raw banquet from scratch. So common sense would dictate that this would be no higher than preparing a meat diet for yourself. And after all, how often do we get sick after handling raw meat so long as we adopt good hygiene practices? Be sure to use dedicated raw meat utensils, and chopping boards, practice good hand hygiene, and take your time to avoid contaminating any other surfaces. You know, if you do the same when preparing your pet's meal, then this risk factor is going to be reduced. The same risks are present in whatever area you choose to feed your pets. So dogs and cats, they don't have the best table manners and you can be sure that their food, you know, makes it out of the bowl and onto the surrounding floor and the walls. Hygiene again is vital, but consider this. It has been found that the normal ways of cleaning and disinfecting food bowls are all actually pretty ineffective at getting rid of salmonella. And that includes soaking in bleach or putting through the dishwasher. Everything may look nice and clean, but there may still be bugs present just waiting to make you sick. Now, after eating, your pet is then going to be spreading these potentially harmful pathogens in their environment. So that ball your dog carries around the house with them, your cat grooming themselves and transferring the bugs from their mouth onto their fur, just waiting for you to stroke them. And what about your dog licking your hand or even your kid's face? So no, no matter how much you clean, there is little you can do about some of these potential issues. The risk of your pet's poop is the final source of bacteria passing from our pets to us. Clearly a dog who is unwell with diarrhea could be shedding some pretty toxic stool, but don't be fooled by solid poop and a healthy animal. So it is pretty common for perfectly healthy pets to have harmful bacteria. Um, in those bacteria that we've already spoken about present in their stool for up to a week after the contaminated meat was eaten. Okay, so this is the risk that raw feeding has for us as dog and cat owners who choose to feed raw. But just how common are these infections being transferred from pets to people? Well, the reported numbers are really low. Now, there have been outbreaks of salmonella passing from an infected animal facility to the human workers there, as well as also infecting their family back home. In one outbreak, 18 humans were affected after 36 animals became infected, with some of these animals even dying. Deals salmonella that is the biggest risk resulting in the most hospital admissions when compared to the other bugs already mentioned. Um, if we take the UK as, as an example, in the UK alone, salmonella is also responsible for 200 deaths a year, but that's from all causes and the vast majority of those are likely to be from handling contaminated human food or from other sources, not just from contaminated pet food or from raw fed animals. So. While infection risk to humans in a raw pets, raw fed pets environment may be low, death is still a potential outcome and a tiny risk it may be, but that's a pretty serious complication. Now, should your vet recommend raw feeding, therefore, you know, they could certainly then be open to legal action should someone become unwell as a result of their recommendation. Much like our pets, 
it is the most vulnerable that are more likely to succumb to infection and experience severe disease. So namely, young children, the elderly, and anyone who's immunocompromised. So it's one thing to accept the small risk to yourself, but if you live with someone or your pet interacts with a person who fits into one of these categories especially, then you had better make sure that you're ready to accept the entire responsibility of being the cause should they become unwell. So is commercial cooked pet food the best thing to feed your dog or cat? Well, with all this talk about the lack of evidence into any benefit of raw feeding, coupled with the many known risks, is feeding a cooked commercial diet the best thing to feed your pet? It would be understandable to assume that all pet feeds are subject to feeding trials, making sure that any animal remains healthy after being fed on a given diet for a period of time. The reality though is very different, with a large number of diets simply being analysed in the lab to ensure that they contain a minimum quantity of certain nutrients to meet a minimum standard. Now this is very different from ensuring that they are all formulated to optimise health. The form the nutrients are present within the diets does not, not even mean that they'll be digested and absorbed by the intestines. To make matters worse, there may also be an, a kind of another interaction with the ingredients within that diet that then goes on to have unexpected health consequences. And a perfect example of this is the recent revelation that there is a link between some grain-free, exotic and boutique dog foods and the development of heart failure. When feeding trials do take place, they are also generally only pretty short. So blood samples may be taken before and after feeding and an overall assessment of any change in health made. Again though, this is very different from saying that the diets are resulting in the best health possible for any specific individual for the course of their life. So much like the raw feeding though, you know, this lack of evidence simply means that it is impossible to say one way or the other as to whether specific diets are optimizing health or not. So many raw feeders will claim that cooked commercial diets are resulting in a pandemic of diabetes, of kidney failure, of cancer, and any number of other illnesses that are seen in our pet population. There is just no evidence out there though that this is the case. And again, when people make claims like this about commercial diets, they're really just making the rather ridiculous assumption that all such diets are created equally, that all commercial cooked diets are the same. Now, it may be that some diets do increase the risk of these diseases. It may well be, though, that others have the complete opposite effect. So when it comes to making claims against commercial diets, many raw food advocates will readily criticise the feeding trials run and health evidence or lack of evidence present, yet in the same breath pass off the complete lack of any data about raw feeding as completely understandable and unimportant. And the hypocrisy can be jaw-dropping. Now, when it comes to prescription diets, the evidence situation is actually very different compared to what I've just described. So there is some excellent data showing a given diet in many cases helps the treatment um, of a specific disease. So if we take kidney failure as just one example, um, a cat fed on a kidney diet will on average live twice as long as a cat fed a standard maintenance diet. And it's for this reason, um, for reasons like this, that diet has a big part to play in the treatment of many different conditions our pet dogs and our cats might face in their lifetime. Now, the big caveat with the bulk of the evidence and research looking into commercial diets is that the studies were either run or funded by the manufacturer. Now, clearly this is a huge conflict of interest, but that doesn't mean that they should be discounted. It doesn't mean we should um, kind of cut our nose to spite our face. It's just something to consider, especially if at any point there appears to be a body of evidence developing from independent studies that point to completely 
the opposite conclusions of those industry-backed studies. So the next problem and concern with commercial cooked diets is contamination and fatal overdoses. So the one big risk of feeding a commercial diet is, um, as I've already hinted at, a misformulation resulting in disease. So this could be an unpredicted interaction between ingredients, as is likely the case with the grain-free diets causing heart failure. It could though be a diet contamination, as in the 2007 melamine poisoning outbreak that resulted in hundreds of deaths at least. Um, and finally, there is also the potential that a manufacturing error sees the formulation of a diet that becomes toxic. And that's something that's the case in the recent recall of specific dog foods, including Hills foods, due to the, them containing deadly levels of vitamin D. This latest vitamin D recall has also affected, yeah, the premium pet food company Hills, like I've said. And for those of us that champion premium pet foods, you know, this is a serious blow to our argument for feeding them in preference, um, you know, that you can read about more in my communication with Hills and quality control issues, and I'll leave a link to that video down in the description below. You know, none of these commercial cooked food risks should be discounted from a discussion about the feeding of raw versus cooked diets to our dogs and cats. Yes, they may be very rare isolated events, events they are rare isolated events, but then dogs and cats or people being fatally poisoned as a result of raw feeding is hardly a daily event either. So what diet should you feed your pet? With all this discussion, what is the best diet for your dog or cat? Now, should you ignore the known everyday raw food health risks to both pets and people and pin your hopes on the completely unproven health benefits of these diets? Or should you instead disregard the occasional major health scares of commercial diets? Now, in my mind, the known risks that every raw fed pet will face makes the recommendation of raw feeding at this stage irresponsible. When there are no known benefits with this practice, why would you subject your pet or your family to these risks? It may be that in the future it is shown that certain raw foods are in fact either just as healthy or healthier than the best cooked commercial diets, but until this is the case and until these diets can be produced in a way that greatly reduces infection risks, raw diets are not something that I would ever recommend feeding. Now though, if you came to me saying that you were raw feeding your dog, um, you understood all of the risks and the discussions surrounding raw diet feeding, that your pet was completely healthy, then I wouldn't try and dissuade you otherwise. You know, I might disagree with your conclusions, but if you're otherwise fully informed, then I do respect your right to make whatever decision you feel is right for you, is right for your family, and is right for your pet. As I've said many times before in this video and also in other videos, a lot of topics when it comes to pet health optimization have large gray areas where there is plenty of scope for a difference of opinion. And recognizing this to be the case, it's really important if each individual is to make the best choice and feel empowered to make the best choice for their family without being alienated by healthcare providers, by vets or by kind of um, other pet owners. It's unhelpful to simply state that raw feeding is the wrong choice to make full stop and alienate a significant number of pet owners who are fully aware of the issues surrounding this practice. It's also just as unhelpful though to claim that raw feeding is the best way to optimize health while dismissing the potential risks involved and shaming those people who choose to feed a cooked commercial diet. Now personally, I feed my cats a range of different commercial diets. Their primary diet is a dry kibble with a range of different wet foods added on occasion just to make sure that they don't become dry food junkies and will be willing to accept any diet change needed should they become unwell in the future. Now this choice is right for them as well as being right for me and my family. What diet is right for you?
So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this topic. What are you feeding your dog and cat? Are you feeding a raw diet already? Are you thinking of making that change? Or if you are feeding a raw diet, are you thinking of switching back to a commercial diet? I'd love to hear your experiences and your thoughts on this topic, kind of based on everything that you've heard over last week and this week's episode. Remember to share this if you found it helpful. If you could leave me a review on iTunes, I'd be incredibly grateful. And until next time, I'm Dr. Alex. This is the Our Pets Health Podcast. Take care.